So have you ever have you ever noticed um, that when you're around teenagers, sometimes they laugh and you don't know why? There's that. That's one aspect of it for sure. But what I noticed when I was when I was a teenager, when I was a, when I was a kid, first of all, we all know this. But, but I have to remind you, I was not a cool kid growing up. I was not on the inside of any cool groups. I was not included in any cliques. And so when these kinds of things happen, like kids would like laugh, I didn't know what was happening. I never knew why they were laughing. And, and it reminds me of, uh, of this, uh, this quote from... The Office, I don't know if you're familiar with The Office. I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one one day. Like, so to, to get an inside joke, so an inside joke is basically a joke where the punchline is only, it's, it's like with inside of a, a close-knit group of people. And so like, the, the reality is, is that what happens in, in, in groups of teenagers is that they, they love to have these things that they say that you don't know what they're talking about and they can laugh. Now, I will say that now, now I am a part of Inside Jokes. And it's mostly my daughter's fault. Um, my daughter and I, unfortunately, I, I apologize to the world for this. My daughter and I share a very similar sense of humor. Um, and so a lot of times, like, we'll text weird things back and forth. Um, and, and things become these reoccurring themes over and over. A couple years ago, we saw this bumper sticker. And this bumper sticker, literally all it said on it was, these are things. And these are things. And so, like, for probably the next six months, randomly, uh, one of us would say we'd be driving down the road or we would be sitting with a group of people at, at, at dinner or lunch and we would say, these are things. And nobody knew what we were talking about, but we thought it was funny. Now, what, what you don't realize when you're on the inside of an inside joke is that inside jokes make the people who are not inside the joke circle feel like an outsider. They, they make you feel, and I knew this because I was always on the outside of all of the inside jokes. I think, I think we all have been in situations where we felt like we didn't really, like, I don't really know what the inside language is. Sometimes church can be like that. Sometimes church could have like all of this insider language that, that people who don't go to church on a regular basis, they don't know what you're talking about. Like sanctuary, foyer, baptismal. Like there's these, these words that Christians use about the different parts of their building even that they, most people don't have any idea what you're talking about. Go out, it's out in the foyer. It's in the vestibule. I don't know. Google it. 
So, but, but there's lots of times where, where we, we all feel like maybe we don't fit. Maybe we don't belong. Maybe we don't know what's going on. I remember uh, very recently, I, one of the roles that I serve in is, uh, is kind of like this regional pastor that helps kind of facilitate ministry among other pastors. It's called a presbyter, which is, I know, an inside word. <laughs> but so part of the role of that is when I go to our, nat- our district regional events, there are two times where I have to wear a suit. So when I started this role, I had to go buy a suit because I didn't own one. Actually, I did own one. The last time I owned one was when I lived in Springfield, and I also weighed 40 pounds more than I do now. And so it was a little bit big. And so I went out and bought a suit. And so the first year, the two times that I had to wear a suit were they do this uh, memorial slash communion service every year where they kind of honor all of the the ministers from within the district that have uh, passed away in the last year. And so all of the presbyters serve communion and they want you to wear a suit for that. And then the other time is for the ordination service where the presbyters go through the process of ordaining the new minister. And so I wore the suit the first year that I did this. This last year, what I didn't do was check my email before I went. So I assumed the same rules applied as last year. So I show up for the memorial service wearing my suit. I I looked pretty sharp. I was the only one wearing a suit. It was the only one wearing a suit. The guy who the day before had been elected as the new district superintendent was wearing jeans and a sport coat, and I was wearing a suit. And, and there is something about like that feeling of like being overdressed for a circumstance that makes you just feel like it, it's feels it probably feels like how Basil feels right now. <laughs> What I didn't read was that the email said that was business casual. And this, this is my business casual. Jeans and a button-up t-shirt is my business casual. Now, that's not their standard of business casual. So we, we're, we're looking at the book of Colossians. Uh, and within the book of Colossians, so the book of Colossians, as we, we discussed a couple weeks ago, is an epistle to the, the church in Colossae. And this epistle was written to a church that one of the things that they were dealing with, and and this is an overarching theme with a lot of the churches, they, they were dealing with situations where people would add extra rules and restrictions to the gospel. They would add on to the things that were required to be on the inside group. And, and the, the church in Colossae was no different. Now, the church in Colossae, one of the things that they really struggled with was this, this precursor to this, what would ultimately be declared as a heresy. 
And that, that, that heresy is called Gnosticism. And, and the precursor of this was the, were these, these group of people who kept telling that you had to have special knowledge. Gnosticism, the root word for Gnosticism is, Gnosticism is the Greek word gnosis, which is often translated as knowledge. And so Gnosticism was this thing that you had to have special knowledge. And one of the things that most Gnostics believe was that, that the world, the physical world, is evil. The physical body is evil. And that the way that you ascend out of the physical world is by giving up the pleasures of this world. If you're thinking right now that sounds a little bit like some of the religion that you grew up with, there is elements of that within within some tra- traditions. But we're going to jump in at chapter 2, starting in verse 6. So Paul says in, in chapter 2, verse six he, six, he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just as you have received Christ, Jesus is Lord. So he's talking to a church that, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, Paul didn't plant this church. He didn't start it. He has heard of what was happening here. He's heard of some of the things that they're dealing with. But he says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives rooted and built up in Him. In Him. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See, they, they were... They had these whispers of things people were saying, hey, you have to have the special information, the special revelation, the special truth, the special, like you, like here, come, come join us and we'll tell you what the special truth is. We'll tell you what the thing, the actual truth is, what you actually have to do, how you actually going to, uh, can, can, Go to heaven. How you actually can ascend to the the next level. Verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. See, this, this system of belief taught that the the deity that created the world wasn't so good but there was the the supreme deity that sent Jesus and Jesus was going to teach you how to ascend to the level of outside of the 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 fallen world outside of this broken place a broken world and but but they they also taught that Jesus wasn't fully god and so Paul, in, in reacting to this, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. 
So as a result of your relationship with Christ, like you have everything that you need. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's, that's good news. Did you know that? That, that the, the indebtedness that we have, the, the fact that we, prior to Christ, didn't measure up, that prior to Christ we weren't enough, prior to Christ we didn't have all that it, we needed, the, the indebtedness that we have has been nailed, the, can, the charge canceled and, and nailed to the cross. I love that imagery. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. So this is where he gets into what, what's at the heart of what the extra rules and the extra special knowledge that you needed to be a real Christian. Apparently people were condemning people who were a part of the church in Colossae for specific things, saying you can't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go to these kinds of parties. Don't go to these kinds of places. Don't go to hang out with these kinds of people. Don't. Don't. That sounds a lot like some of the church services I've been in. Don't. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to your religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great deal, detail about what they have seen, because, you know, they, they know the secret things. What they have seen, they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though, still, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? And this is, see the quote, quotes, these are the rules. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. 
Such Here's the interesting part. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. I think it's really easy for us to take what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be spiritual, and put these rules about what you can and cannot do. But at the end of the day, the most important thing, the most important truth is your faith rooted in Jesus. Rooted in Jesus is enough. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, one of the aspects of, of what was going around in the church at the time was this idea of, of asceticism. You know what that word is? Asceticism is where you deny pleasures, you deny good things so that you can experience God. Now, in some ways, like, like this idea that you wouldn't drink alcohol or you wouldn't drink, uh, you wouldn't eat chocolate or you wouldn't do this or you wouldn't do this. That sounds spiritual. It sounds godly, but here's the thing. But when you put your faith in what you don't do, that's not the same thing as putting your faith in Jesus. And I think what we try to do is we try to manufacture a transformed life. We try to manufacture a life that looks different by following what we think of as rules. But what ultimately happens is that it, it doesn't actually lead to a transformed life. It leads to false humility. And there's probably nothing grosser than false humility. <laughs> the humility that pats itself on the back for how good it's doing. And the reality is, is that what, what God wants us to know is that there are things that look like spirituality. There are things that look like faith that aren't. And we, we can think that we're being included as insiders because of the things that we don't do. But the reality is, is that the only thing that, the only thing that qualifies us as an insider. It's faith in Jesus. It's putting your hope in Jesus. I, I think it's easy for us to, to think, man, there's, there's, really, there's really only one way. 
and I don't mean one bit way outside of Jesus, but there's only one way to follow Jesus. There's only one way to you follow these rules, and it looks like looks like our particular brand of Christianity. I don't know if you've helped any uh, kids do math recently. Anybody? You're doing math? Chuck Norris math? How many of you, um, in trying to help your kids or someone else's kids do math recently, have realized that you don't know anything about math? Like, and, and for some of you who don't, who right now feel like you don't know anything about math, you were actually pretty good at math. And, and then all of a sudden, and now it's easy to say, well, that's, that's new math or that's common core. Or you, we'll blame it on common core. And the reality is, is that there's different approaches. There's different ways of experiencing, of learning about math. And, and the reality is, is that it's easy for us to look at the way someone else is doing something and say, that you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You can't, you can't arrive at the same answer that way. And the reality is, is that that happens to a lot within the church. We look at the way other people are experiencing and pursuing and following God. And we're like, you can't do it that way. You, you have to do it my way. You, you, I, I, I know the right way to follow Jesus. I, I have the, the special revelation. I'm the one who grew up with this insider language, and you don't know any of the right words to talk about it. And I think if we're not careful, what we can end up doing is we can make people, we can, we can exclude other people from being a part of the kingdom of God. But here's the thing that we have to be really careful of. We're not excluding other people from being a part of the kingdom of God. We're excluding ourselves. By making these extra rules and restrictions, we are adopting a new kind of faith. We're the ones that are are, are leaving the faith to follow these extra rules. Faith in Jesus is enough. The freedom that God gives us in Jesus, the, the, in, the release from indebtedness in Jesus, it, they weren't released in, in did you hear the, 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 the passage? They weren't released from indebtedness because they didn't do a list of things. They were released from indebtedness because their sin was nailed to the cross. Their sin was, they're in faith, in Jesus. That's all that matters. Like, are there other things that you can learn? Sure. But I think when we add extra things onto the list besides Jesus, Jesus plus this, Jesus plus making sure that you give Every Sunday, Jesus plus making sure you do, you don't do this. Jesus plus, that's actually Jesus minus. 
Sorry about the math. It's new math. Or plus is the new minus. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it is now. Asceticism is dangerous because it is common bedfellows with Gnosticism and legalism. It attempts to take a common, common practice from the world, usually as a result of a particular values, and combine them with spirituality. Gnosticism says that humans are divine souls trapped in an ordinary physical material world, and that that, that world has been made by an imperfect spirit. I, I think... <laughs> If we're not careful, even today, we can practice some form of Gnosticism. We say that this, this world is, it is imperfect and terrible and broken. And yes, there are aspects of it that are imperfect and terrible and broken. But it is the world that God created. He wants us to be about sharing that good news, the good news that Jesus is enough. So we're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to close in prayer. And then I want our ushers to make their way this way. Um, Lord, I thank you that faith in you is enough. That faith in Jesus is enough. Lord, for those here this morning who have been made to feel like outsiders, God, I pray that you would help them to know that their faith in you is enough. God, I pray for those of us here who, who maybe have made other people feel like outsiders. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize in us those places where we have added on to the gospel. That you would convict us. That you would speak to us today about our, our lack of faith in your salvation. In, in the sufficiency of Jesus. But we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.